If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. This is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science, and I'm here with Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And we are recording our 100th episode today. Just so oh. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah, wow. So today we're going to dive into basically kind of what we've learned in the last 100 episodes or like where we are now and versus kind of where we, we started. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I can't, I mean, did you ever think that we would be a hundred episodes in when we first started this? It's so weird to me. Like This is so crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny too, because we still have never met <laughs> like in person. Right. We, we had kind of talked about like, I want, I'm like, I want to take my family out to California. We can meet up and, and then COVID, and then COVID happened. Um, so that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, right. but, but yeah, we just, um, for those of you who don't know, you can go back and listen to our, like, I think it's our first episode where yeah, we talk about, yeah. yeah. Um, but basically we hooked up online because we were just talking about the same things and doing the same things. And I think we both had a little bit of like the comp- like competition, like, Ooh, and yeah. then we just decided to, no, let's just join forces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just like, I, you know, like, I don't even really remember. I was trying to figure out like, like who DM to first, but it was definitely like a, it was like a DM type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I, so I know I found your blog and I feel like at one point you commented on one of my blog posts, but Um, other than that, I don't actually remember how we actually started talking either. I don't either, but I know it was like a very casual type thing. And then one day you said like, do you want to start a podcast? And I was like, sure, why not? And (laughs) I'd been thinking about it. And I was like, I just had no idea how to do that. And you're like, oh, you just do this. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so crazy. Um, yeah. And yeah, we've just, so it's interesting too, because we have definitely like a lot of our I- ideas and, and I mean, it's super like a well aligned. So obviously it works for the podcast really well, but we've also definitely diverged in kind of areas of focus and like where we have, I don't know, grown or, or, or whatever, you know? So it's just fascinating to see the different like branches that we've, we've gone down or paths. Yeah. Yeah, I think um like when we both first started, we were like thinking about providing like I don't know, like 
resources for teachers that they could just like pull and, you know, print and go with, you know, like, and I think over the course of time, we've realized that that's not the best way to go. Yes, I know that was totally my original intention because I just love creating curriculum. And I realized that, wait, but teachers need support in like how to actually implement this and throwing the lesson at at them doesn't, it's not, it's not making, it's not gonna make the changes, you know, that, that we want to see. But, but I would say even like our just understanding of like what 3D and all that, like we've grown too. So it's, it's kind of funny. I listen to, I don't know, when I look back at old blog posts or episodes and I'm like, I disagree with my earlier self or we're like, okay, you're on the right track, but like, I'm going to, I need to tweak this. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so in this episode, we're going to talk about some of those, those shifts that we've had in our, our own understanding of all of this stuff. And, and yeah, you might hopefully we'll learn a little bit <laughs> from it. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think it's nice to see that we're still progressing and that it's not like a one and done type thing. Like we're, you, you, I think with this, you always get deeper into it. You don't necessarily ever like become a total expert and you're like, dude, I got this. I'm done. Yeah, no, it's like totally, it's definitely, um, like always expanding. And so we were going to kind of talk about this at the end too, but it's, it's deepening our knowledge, but then there's things that like, I've become less, I, I don't know, like I mentioned, like less dogmatic about like in the beginning, I was like, this is what it is. And this is how it's got to be. And this other stuff is stupid. And then now I'm like, okay, but now I do see some value in this other stuff that I thought was like stupid or I don't know. Anyway, let's just dive in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we did say our first like thing that we want to talk about was kind of a changing um, or a, a growing understanding of phenomena. So I know that in the last couple of years, my, not, not only my understanding of like what phenomena are and all of that, but like how we use them has definitely changed. And I have really like, I, my belief is that phenomena has to come first, whether like before we bundle our standards, before we figure out our concepts, before we know what's going into a unit, it's about picking that phenomenon and then building it out from there. And I mean, I kind of balance it. We're like, these are my foot, like, these are the standards I have to, I have to teach. So I'm going to choose one or two as like my focus. So I have like, I can narrow it down. Cause obviously there's, if, you, if you're just like, I don't know, give me any phenomenon, you would right. way too many choices. Right. So it narrows it down. But then from that point, figuring out what are the additional concepts that go into this unit or what are the big the ideas that I want to tie in or what are the additional standards that I want to address in this unit? Um, for me, that has changed because I was originally in the, you, know, you bundle your standards and then you choose your phenomena camp. And over the years, I've just found that that can sometimes stifle learning because you end up trying to like plug a square peg into a round hole and it doesn't work. Where if you start with the phenomena first, you basically build the hole around the phenomena. <laughs> right. Or around right. the peg or whatever. Yeah. Definitely. I think even just like more simply, just our understanding of the importance of the importance of phenomena is different. Like I I know for me, I was, you know, thinking about it on a very surface level, like um, you know, it's to engage students or, you know, get them interested in the content or, you know, something like that and not really understanding how deep, how it important it is that it's deeply woven throughout your storyline. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. So true. Um, and it, you need to have that really complex phenomena to, mm-hmm. to build learning from. Yeah. Like I, some of my first phenomena were like, um, I don't know, like condensation on the side of a soda can and stuff like that. And that's, that's a good investigative level phenomenon or, you know, like something that students can explain for you, but it's not brought, I mean, it's not specific enough to where students, it's, it's not going to carry you through your whole storyline. Like it just, yeah. And even, yeah. And that complexity and then even like the, the emotional, like relevant emotion, like connection with that, with your phenomena too. Yeah. Um, the, that type of phenomena, it has its place, but it's not what you can build your unit on because it has, doesn't have any relevance, has very little relevance for students. It's like, oh, okay, who cares? Yeah, I think that emotion piece is something that's kind of come more recently for me because it, I mean, I think I knew that that was a component, but I just didn't, couldn't articulate that, that it need to, needed to evoke some, some kind of emotion so that students would be engaged. Like I was just thinking about the engagement, not the emotion that that drives the engagement. Yeah, that is definitely something, again, that just, I like has grown for me. I definitely was not thinking about that when I started this, you know, two years ago or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so what is, what are, like, what is your other, you know, area of growth that we're going to talk about today? Um, I think the, the science and engineering practices, the way that I look at them is completely and totally different than I did a couple years ago. So, like understanding the progression from kindergarten through 12th grade has been made a huge difference. Um, I think before I was just like trying to check the box and, you know, like, yes, we've planned an investigation or, you know, like students have identified variables and not really looked at what that should look like at the different grade levels. And just a couple of years having, you know, like a, a real, a realization that, um, that I, you know, a lot of the things I was doing was like at the kindergarten <laughs> through second yeah. grade and being like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That is definitely something that is tricky, especially when you're starting out. Cause you're like, oh, it's planning an investigation. Like I know what that looks like, but then you, it takes a while to realize like, maybe you don't fully know what that looks like at right. your grade level. Right. Um, and that's something that, yeah. I totally can see I have shifted in, in that respect too. Yeah. And I think like there was a lot of like adding a science and engineering practice after the fact, or like, like if somebody were to ask me which science and engineering practice I was using, I would be like, Oh, it's this, but not really, not really thinking about it on a deeper level. Like, um, and I think a lot of a lot of teachers do that where they're like, oh yeah, I'm totally incorporating this, but not doing it thoughtfully. Yeah. Yes. Or like, um, the teacher's the one doing it. And yeah. so it's they like check off the box. Like, oh, I did analyzing data because I went over a graph with them, but it's not like, you know, or even in, um, analyzing, like I organized the data for them and then I gave it to them. You're, you're, you might be getting part of it, but you're also maybe not fully um, addressing the students are actually manipulating the data themselves to, to find yeah. patterns or whatever. Yeah. Which I think kind of brings us to our next point where we're talking about like true student-driven learning. Like I yeah. was doing a lot of this stuff not too long ago. Yeah. 
Yes. And that is the one that I think is the, so I, I personally think this was, has been the hardest, like for me to figure out the balance. Um, I feel like in the last year I was really realizing like just with, with COVID and with everything, I want students to want to learn. And I think it's so important when everything shut down, it was like, you're not in the classroom with your students. There's nobody making them learn. So you have to start thinking about it differently. Like, how can I create an environment where they want to learn, where they want to figure this out? And I think that was a huge challenge. And it still is a challenge. Um, But it was like, suddenly you couldn't fall back on me leaning over their shoulder and making them do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so thinking about that and realizing, okay, so I, we need to create a a system that is more student driven, that is more reliant on, or is more, the focus is really on getting students to want to learn. And that's when some of the changes with my ideas about phenomena and all that started to come into play too, and understanding that emotional connection and reaction and all that, because again, that's a driving force for our actions and the things we do. But then getting further into it, like I realized we need to actually be giving more our students more of those choices in in how they record their data or what you know at the at that kind of level but even in the bigger flow of their learning instead of mapping out like these storylines where we create this illusion of student driven learning or learning that's built from student questions and this is probably the biggest change because i literally used to say we're creating an illusion of it. And now I'm like, no, let's stop creating the illusion and let's actually let them do it. But then figuring out how you can actually make that possible within our system. I still don't think it's perfect solution. um, But that's kind of like what I've been trying to do with like my spark subscription and like this pathways approach. It's like, here's all the pieces. Here's a question. And then this lesson, this exploration helps answer that question. And if you have all the pieces, then you as a teacher can kind of work with your students to figure out where do we go next? And and then the storyline actually unfolds in a student-driven way. So it might not look exactly the same in every single classroom across the country if, you know, that using the, this, these set of resources, but it's like a more authentic student-owned experience. Yeah. And just, I like, I feel guilty even saying this because I think it's part of like teacher culture, but I am not working as hard as I was three or four years ago, because students are working, you know, the students are doing the work and it just like, you know, I come home at a normal time and I'm done, you know, because students are really, um, students are really doing all of the things. It's not me doing all the things anymore. That's a nice change. And I, I think it's, like you said, it is kind of part of like that teacher culture. We, We feel like we're not doing our jobs if we're not making all the decisions or like, creating all of the, you know, information or whatever, but it's, that's not how it's supposed, it shouldn't be that way. The students should definitely be the ones, they should be the ones making the decisions. Um, I mean, if we're, if we're trying to prepare our students for like their lives, when they get beyond adolescence, like you have to make decisions as an adult, let's give them opportunities to practice it now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think that might be one of the biggest things is just the mindset shifts about what teaching looks like and what students are capable of and what we almost need to tolerate in, in like, I don't know, giving up control or allowing them to, to fail safely or 
you know, yeah, risking that, you know, that the lesson is going to flop because they don't come up with the right question to, like, I don't know, whatever, you know? Um, yeah. Well, also just like, I, like, I, so many things that you can let go of when you are using a student centered approach, like you don't have to keep your students quiet. You don't have to, you know, like you can let them talk to each other. You can, you know, students can move across around the room and um, it just like, it lets you let go of so many things that I tried to control so hard in my classroom before, like, you know, keeping everybody in one spot and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's all, it kind of evolves from that shift in like, you're thinking about what the purpose of what you're like doing right now, you know, like moving away from content only approach or, you know, moving away from checking all the boxes, like, you know, you start to understand like what's the really important stuff and, and it allows you to, yeah, like let go of a lot of those things that are maybe on the surface seemed like they really, really mattered. But like when you dig down deep, you can, you can figure out, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, what matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like we talk a lot about critical thinking and, you know, like that's one of the buzz buzzwords in education yeah. and like trying to figure out how to get them to do that was always such a challenge because I felt like they couldn't do it. And then when you just reframe your thinking, it like all clicks into place and you're like, no, we're doing things at a, at a much more rigorous level where, you know, like students are learning more, students are doing more and I'm doing less. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and you know what, we are going to talk about reframing like that mindset in like a future episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. If you're really struggling with like, but my kids can't do this or, but they aren't capable of this, or <laughs> you have those fears about that. We're going to kind of dive into that because I mean, that comes down to not really being a student problem, being like a teacher problem. It's the way you're thinking about it. And I I think just, I think, I I don't know. I'm always like a push the, push the status quo kind of person. And I'm like, well, why do we have to think about it like that? Can we think about it differently? Like, you know, why do we have to do it this way? Because we always have. And, and so that kind of just blends with, I think my personality. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's what I think about our education system a lot, you know, and. So, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Well, I hope that you guys who are listening have maybe gotten some like little nuggets of something out of this episode um, and kind of the journey that we've been on and just, I don't know, I guess I would like to encourage you to think back about where you, how far you have come, because sometimes it can be overwhelming where you're like, oh my gosh, but I still, there's so much I don't understand or there's so, so much I don't know how to do, or I'm not that far along, or I can't do this, or I can't do that, or you know, and, and looking back and realizing like how much you have changed and grown, it can just at least be encouraging <laughs> that you've made progress. <laughs> yeah. And also just like, know that, I mean, I think we felt like we were expert ish two years ago when we started yeah. this. and just like really knowing that there's a lot, we, we, I think we still have a long way to go. And that's okay. Like, it's totally okay to be in that situation where we're still learning. And I think also there's more resources for other teachers so that they can make that leap a little bit faster than we did. You know, like we, um, I know for myself, it it probably took a little longer than it should. (laughs) 
No, I totally agree. And, you know, also with that in mind, like you could be that resource. If there's somebody who knows a little bit less than you or just thinks about things in maybe a way that you used to think about them, like even if you don't know everything about everything, even if you don't feel like you're an expert, you still could be that resource. And, you know, it's just a matter of being like, I I can pretend I'm an expert. (laughs) Right. I might not know everything, but I do know this one thing and I can, you know, share that with you or model that for you or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in this week and to our hundredth episode. And hopefully you've listened to all hundred, right? Um, I know you all have. (laughs) If you are enjoying the podcast, as always, please leave us a review. Please reach out with your questions. Erin has a website going to let her say that uh, it's teaching science in 3d.com slash questions. And you can submit them through a Google form there. Um, you can submit audio and all kinds of different ways to do that. Or you can just send us a DM through Instagram at teaching science underscore in 3d. And we would love to hear from you. Yes. Awesome. We will catch you guys next week. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.